Just give us one hour, and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about the annoying yellow smiley face. No, 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 no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish egotistical or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Today's show is about leadership and how it pertains to sustainable branding and well-being, and in the business world in particular. During the show, if you hear something you like, join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. You can connect with us at, you can tweet at us at HH Talk Radio. My first guest is Larry Broughton, who is an award-winning serial entrepreneur. He's a best-selling author and formal special, special forces operator. He's a Green Beret, in other words. Larry is here to share heartwarming and humorous lessons on leadership, failure, tenacity, and the power of effective teams. Larry has parlayed his unique experience of serving on special forces A-teams to the business world. He is now the co-founder and CEO of Broughton Advisory, a strategic planning, elite team building, and transformational leadership training organizations with clients ranging from entrepreneurial startups to the Pentagon and Turner Broadcasting, as well as Broughton Hotels. And pay close attention to the words Broughton Hotels because it's going to dovetail into a nice surprise and probably bromance when we bring on our our next guest in the second half larry thanks for joining me <laughs> that is an awesome introduction by the way <laughs> we are bromancing particularly the bromance yes yeah i'm all about bromances so yes bring it on <laughs> i know you are actually i do know that about you <laughs> 
<laughs> so, well, so many started. people are shocked when they find out that I've got bromances going on out there, but uh, it's true. That's who I am. Yeah, well, and Larry, for those of you who don't know Larry, who have not seen Larry in person, he is a big, strapping, hunky man, you know? And so, but he has got. Yeah, you, but you've got this predilection for connecting from the heart. And I think that's what yeah, endears yeah. so many of us to you, Larry. Well, you know, it's not always been that way, to be honest with you. I used to be, I mean, I've had people describe me as an automaton and, you know, emotionless and. But, um, you know, as I've gotten older in life, I've realized there's a lot more power with being uh, authentic, transparent, and uh, and just start from a position of love in everything you do. So if that's not a little too airy-fairy for you, uh, that's what uh, my life's all about now. Well, and I, I have uh, borne witness to that. I, I have actually seen yeah. Larry Broughton cry. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, for having truth-telling moments. <laughs> yes, yeah. Hey, I don't, I don't, I'm not uh, afraid to admit that anymore. No, no, yeah. and that's why I'm not afraid to share that. I saw that because it's, it's actually what leads me to describe or introduce what you do as so unique, as being a former mm. Green Beret and coming to the leadership uh, world with this particular bent that you have that is very much heart-centered and very much head-centered. And let's let's talk about that, the lessons learned from being a Green Beret. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, um, lessons from a Green Beret, I guess, is you know, as, as leaders, if we don't understand the importance of having a vision for our lives and for the the, uh, the organizations that we lead, we're just, we can't get our team to go there either. You know what I mean? I mean, I see it so often where leaders are just basically going through the motions. They're basically glorified managers, you know, and management to me is just an invention, you know, but, um, you know, they stand at the helm, they just hang out of the wheel. But leaders are really supposed to be casting vision, looking out beyond the horizon, for what things can be. And when you drill down to this, you get this, Lisa, your listeners get this, that every decision we make is an emotional decision. We, we like to think that, you know, they, it comes from the head. We like to think that we're not swayed by um, marketing um, messaging, but it's all emotional. And so there's no more powerful way to get people to follow your vision than, than to do it emotionally. Why else can you get 12 guys on a Special Forces A team to go on and basically take on the world? To basically try to overthrow a country, for instance, you know, or to go in and these same guys build hospitals, save children, you know, and how can they turn it on and off, you know, from day to day? It's because of the, the power of emotions. That's just so... You know, the, the, you, no, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm shaking my head going, yep, 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 yep. The, the, the power yeah. of emotion. And, and, and it's how does one harness those emotions to positively serve in a business leadership capacity? Because we, we want the people no. that we work with to use their, their positive emotions constructively and manage the negative ones also constructively. Well, listen, we've got, you know, a lot of it's based on, particularly for men, not so much for women, but particularly for men, it's fear. Fear that we're going to be looked like as weenies or soft or wusses or whatever the name is, you know, that's what we're afraid of. And we've been so programmed through, you know, the Jack Welch style of leadership and management that's going slash and burn um, that, um, you know, we think that that's the way it's supposed to be. But most of the businesses that are going to be surviving, uh, here in this next um, economy, cycle of economy, are going to be those that are heart-centered. I truly believe this. I think that we're moving from this experiential economy 
uh, into what I'm calling a relationship economy. Um, I mean, that's why social media is so stinking powerful right now. People want to have a relationship with the businesses that they're doing, that they're working with, that they're the brands they're buying from. And interesting a lot, interestingly enough, I think that women are primed to step into these leadership gaps that we're seeing in every segment of our society. So whether it's politics or business or religion or nonprofits or education, because they get the whole relational stuff, you know. Um, and men tend to be, you know, mono-minded. They, you know, we can focus on one thing at a time. And women can actually be stereo-minded. They can multitask. They can listen and implement at the same time. It's why we see organizations who have women in their, in their leadership roles, you know, top leadership roles, whether they're on boards or CEO roles, they're starting to outperform their men counterparts. It's very powerful. If men don't get this right now, it's not like they're going to get relegated to the salt mines, but they're going to have you better be passed up um, in, in the marketplace. So it's all about relationships and it's all about um, vision and building strong teams around those, around your vision. And it's, it's the, the social economy, which is a very different uh, framework for businesses to work in. And, and our next guest also really believes in this. And, I, and this is where my heart lies. It's where I get to walk my talk because we have gone through decades of the world of Gordon Gecko, And while it was mm. good for many people for a long period of time, at the end of the day, it is not what sustains us holistically. Listen, you can't build any kind of sustainable relationship. I don't care if it's a love relationship or a business relationship, relationship with your client or whatever. If all you do is take, that relationship will burn up. It'll yeah. absolutely implode. You've got to keep filling up uh, the other party, whether it's through – you just got to give. Those organizations that are going to see enduring success into the future are those that serve other people. You know, when all else fails, when we don't know which way to turn, I don't care – Again, whether it's, you know, with your friends, your spouse, your lover, whomever, or your client, you don't know what to do, serve them. Do yeah. something that, you know, and expect nothing in return from it. That's where loyalty comes in. When you don't, you do something for someone, you don't expect anything in return. You do it because it's the right thing to do. It feels great when you do that. It does. So when, you feel good about, when you feel good about your own actions, you want to do more of it. And it's not really law of attraction, but you become very attractive. To those people around you. People want to spend time with you. They want to walk the hard road of life with you when they know that you're going to give. And then it just becomes reciprocal. And people, other people want to give. Other people want to serve. It's one of the reasons why we see the rise of uh, uh, social entrepreneurship right now. We are going to go to a break in a minute. And when we come back, we'll, we will stay on this topic. But it's what you're, just, what you're describing is also known as the helper's high. When we do something good mm. simply because we can, we physiologically have changes in our bodies that, you know, that are um, the byproduct of these hormones that are released that make us feel good. So if you're depressed, if you're not in a good mood, if you have lost your happy place, one of the quickest ways that I know of in from the softer side, speaking to you from the psychosocial side, to elevate that level is to do something for someone else. But I want to give your contact information to learn more about the fabulous Larry Broughton. You can find out more by going to broughtonhotels.com and his personal website, larrybroughton.net. And 
let me spell that for you. It's L-A-R-R-Y-B-R-O-U-G-H-T-O-N. On Twitter, it is at Larry Broughton. And on Facebook, he is conveniently the same, Larry Broughton. And when we come back, we are going to talk about some tools, techniques, and resources to create and motivate teams to greatness. And I also want to touch upon the fun of failure when we return, Larry, because failure has its place. And uh, it's not something that should be should be bypassed or something that we need to be embarrassed about. We need to use it. So when we come back, we're going to touch upon that and all sorts of other pieces of information from a former Green Beret. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. And those tunes are coming right at you. To learn more about what we do, you know where to go. I wanted to make a difference. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I'm here today with Larry Broughton, who is a former Green Beret, and we're talking about leadership lessons as it relates to corporations, businesses, and entrepreneurs. And prior to the break, we said we were going to jump into fun with failure and also have Larry share with us some of his tools and techniques to motivate teams to greatness. So let's talk about failure. We have all been there, right? Uh, yeah, I just wish more of us would admit it. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why so many people in life, and I'm not just talking about uh, business, I mean, really in life, they get so down in the dumps and beat themselves up just because they think they're the only ones who have ever had failure before. Somewhere along the line, Lisa, we have just become embarrassed by failure. But I think if we just look at failure as, you know, it's this thing that life calls, it's where we get, it's where we learn from, you know, you know, 
if we just look at it that way, failure equals learning, then it takes some of the edge off of it. But you've mentioned Gordon Gecko. You know, if, he, if the Gordon Geckos of the world, um, if you're to believe them, they, they wouldn't have any failures, right? Right. Um, but I've, I've been blessed with over the last few years that I've gone out and interviewed, you know, over 120 of the top um, business thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. And those people who have had enduring success with just a few exceptions have all admitted of huge failures. And if it weren't for big failures, organizations like FedEx, PayPal, Zappos, um, GoDaddy, they wouldn't be the organizations that they are today if they hadn't had significant failures along the way and then taken course corrections. Um, and so I'm trying to talk about failure all the time right now. I want to make failure cool again <laughs> because failure does not, you know, it doesn't define us, it refines us. It makes us better people if we don't just curl up in the corner and lick our wounds for the rest of our lives. Now, I, I expect that people are going to feel bad when you fail, you fall down. Yeah, you're going to feel bad for a little bit. But at some point, you got to get up and say, okay, how, how did I get here? What did I learn from this? And how can I move out smartly um, and do great things? Well, failure is essential. What, what failure tells me, and I have certainly have my share of it, is that I am stretching myself. That people often say they want to have a stress-free life, which is really BS. Uh, you know, let's just stop there. That We, we need yeah. to stress ourselves. We need to challenge ourselves. Yeah, well, success is just outside your comfort zone, isn't it? I mean, yes. let's, let's look at this. Yes, we can live an easy life. What's easier, sitting on your sofa and eating cupcakes, potato chips, or going out for a walk? What's easier? It's sitting on the sofa, right? But ultimately, if you don't get out there and do stuff, then you're going to end up being a, you know, overweight, obese, ill, lonely person. Yeah, success is hard work. If it weren't hard work, everyone would be successful. And we just know that that's not the case. But the sooner we can get out there and interact with people and look at our failures as really just something to learn from, and we kind of, you know, give ourselves emotional permission to have failures and just, um, I don't know, celebrate our failures sometimes, then the better we're going to feel about ourselves. And you know what's important about that is that we end up treating other people the way we feel about ourselves. It's, there's a direct correlation there. It's direct proportion. If we feel great about ourselves, we're going to treat people around us in a really great fashion. If we feel crappy about ourselves, that's the way we're going to treat people. And as a leader, you better darn well be treating people around you in a really positive, upbeat, inspirational fashion. Because the idea is that to get your team to kind of walk across coals and to walk across broken glass. I mean, not literally, but proverbially, you know, you want them to be able to go to the mat. Because uh, yes. the going is going to get tough sometimes. In the military, we say that no... Um, no plan survives contact with the enemy. All right, so what that means is we plan a mission, we go out, go out past the wire, as they say, and when rounds start coming down range, guess what? All those plans go out the window. Well, the same thing happens in business. You know, new market conditions happen, right? Your senior VP of sales and marketing leaves your business and takes their all their book of business with you. Competitors open up across the street. The market takes it down. Whatever it is, that's the enemy. If we can have a positive attitude, even in the midst of, you know, hardship, it's going to be very hard to get our team members to come in and fight the battle every day. Someone's got to be the emotional pastor, if you will, of your organization. And it's got to be the leader, the business owner, the executive director um, of, of the organization. It's very, very powerful. And so if we can give people permission to fail from time to time, but when you fail, you learn from it then you see organizations not just 
to, you know, survive, but absolutely thrive, no doubt about it. If you give me one second, let me share this with you. In the military, two things happen constantly. Before we go out on a mission, we have what's called a contingency plan. And that means they're basically if-then scenarios. If we do this and the enemy responds this way, we're going to respond that way. We've kind of played, played, you know, all kinds of scenarios through. If business owners and leaders of organizations would do that, you know, come up with some if-then scenarios, instead of just developing their plan and driving it right off the cliff and not making any kind of course corrections along the way, that would limit all kinds of business failures. But when you do fail, whenever we came back from a mission, we would do what's called an AAR, an after-action review. What do we do right? What do we do wrong? And how can we do it better the next time? If we kind of lived our life that way, swear to God, we would get over these failures a whole lot quicker and learn a lot more from them. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and if you want to talk a little bit about gender bias, I think that men have mm-hmm. a harder time with failure than women. We expect to fail. I, I, I think that men do have a hard time talking about their failures. Um, I think that, and I've got a lot of coaching clients, mostly women, a lot of men. Um, I think that women have a little bit more difficult time taking the initial step. But once they do it, once they get out of the initial fear, absolutely. And do you know why I think it is? I think because they're willing to collaborate more with people. Men have this competitive um, nature about them so that, I mean, you, you know, that's we're smart people on this call. Men have a difficult time building um, bromances, right, relationships with other people because they're the competitor. It's genetic, right? Um, with women, it's about relationships. And it's about communicating. It's about talking things through. And so, again, we're talking about this relationship economy. I really believe that in this new relationship economy, we're going to be moving from competitive relationships into collaborative relationships and business. And that's why you're going to see a whole lot more joint ventures happening. You're going to see co-branding of products and services happening. Uh, It's a very exciting time. You better be aware of it. Oh, I I agree. I see it in my own my own business, in my own work, both in the nonprofit world and the civilian world, that partnership and collaborate collaboration, how can I help you help me help you is is part of it. And the other is is not seeing the pie as finite, is really seeing that, that the possibilities are infinite and therefore when we work together we can be that much greater, that much bigger, and not in a monetary sense, in a holistic yeah. sense, and then the money follows as a result. It's the byproduct, yeah. not the destination. Yeah, Man, I, I don't know where we got it in our head that there are all these finite resources out there. You know, You're absolutely right. Success is infinite. It goes on and on and on. There's absolutely – I can't think of a business where you know, there's not an infinite number of clients out there. You know, because the difference is, yeah, we've all got our own little businesses, but no business is exactly the same. We can put a little bit of a twist on it, you know, constantly. Yeah. So I, I think it's great if we, the more joint ventures that happen, the better. Too often, I'm afraid, I just see uh, people come up with an idea and they think someone else has got a similar product and so they never launch it or whatever, you know. And, but all that, again, it goes back to this brokenness that we're so afraid to admit that we have. And the sooner we can admit, admit that, hey, I'm just this broken person, um, the sooner we can find freedom. There's absolute freedom in brokenness. If you would just accept that, um, you know, get over yourself, be authentic, be a little bit more transparent. Um, and uh, it takes a whole lot of stress out of your life. And sadly, I came to this, you know, epiphany later in life. I wish I would have grown up 
you know, with this. So it took a whole lot of, um, you know, analyzing my navel before I came up with it. <laughs> but what you know? but what happens as a result is we become self-aware. We become aware yeah. how precious time is. So moving forward right. that we don't make those same mistakes. And I think that that is the value of adversity, the gifts that come out of failure. Let's talk for a second about a few like creative, motivating tips that you can give to our listeners. Uh, I mean, and you choose anything from fostering loyalty to eliminating water cooler complaining. You, you pick uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things is, you know, most people live life in teams. We don't like to admit that. We like to, you know, subscribe to this whole lone wolf thing um, because, you know, the whole lone wolf story, it, it makes for great novels, right? It makes for great movies. But truly, those people who have had any kind of enduring success in their life have done it with groups of people. They may not be actual team members. Maybe it's outsourced. Maybe it's a partner or whatever it is. But the sooner we can accept that we're going to live life in, in, in community, the better we're going to be. And if you're going to be living life in a community, there's going to be teams, right? Get Work in your strengths. Man, I have done this too, for too long in my life. I worked outside my area of strengths. <laughs> and when we're younger, we can do that. But the older we get, the harder it gets. If you feel like you're in a job or in a career or in a relationship that is just sucking your lifeblood out of you, um, it's probably because you're not working in your strengths. So I would really encourage you to do that. So when you're building teams, identify what your weaknesses are. And let's just admit they're weaknesses. You know, they're not areas for improvement, whatever. No, don't even bother trying to improve them. They're weaknesses. Bring someone else onto your team whose weaknesses augment supplement, enhance, you know, the strengths of the, of the entire team. So I would really encourage people uh, to do that. Um, and, and I'm sure there's a, but No, no, I was just going to say, um, you know, strength-based strength team building, strength-based, you know, coaching in terms of what I do, which is the applied positive psychology. It, it is all mm-hmm. about, you know, cultivating and really expanding upon that which we do well managing those areas that we don't do well and knowing when to say when and give it up to somebody else, which I am all about, but I would love to have you back again and, 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 and build on this for another show because we could probably talk for an entire hour on this and we are running out of time and I want to, um, we, we have a little romance surprise, as I mentioned, but we're going to need to save it for the first minute of the next segment. So I just ask that you stay with me, Larry, and I'm going to give sure. out your contact information. And thank you from the fullness of my heart for being here, mm-hmm. um, because it's really been a delight and a pleasure to learn more about Larry Broughton and the amazing coaching work that he does with transformational leadership training, you can go to LarryBroughton.net, and that's B-R-O-U-G-H-T-O-N.net. His other website for the hotel work is BroughtonHotels.com. On Twitter, he is at Larry Broughton, and on Facebook, he is also Larry Broughton. So when we come back, we have we have a few seconds here. We're going to um, introduce you to a friend of yours who now... I firmly uh, believe that six degrees of separation now goes down to about two degrees of separation. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to prove it to you in about two minutes. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with my guest today, Larry Broughton. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to fight. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. 
We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. likes to win, enter our weekly contests at Harvesting Happiness on Facebook where we give away our guests' books, music, film, and products each week. In addition, we also do great Harvesting Happiness giveaways like free coaching sessions with Lisa Cypress Kamen, Lisa's Books, Happiness First Aid Kits, H-Factor Where Is Your Heart documentary film, Happiness is an inside job product, including the Sterling Silver Infinity Bracelet that benefit Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, a nonprofit whose mission is to assist our returning military personnel and their loved ones challenged by combat trauma and other post-deployment reintegration issues. Join us at Harvesting Happiness on Facebook. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about leadership and how it pertains to sustainable branding and the well-being of businesses. And if you are just joining in, I urge you to download this podcast on iTunes and listen to it later. So at the beginning of the show, I uh, spoke with my guest about uh, bromancing, you know, having a guy that you really, really connect with, that you love, and what that means in terms of life and business connection. And I have a bromance in the house, and I want to introduce our next guest, who is Chip Conley. He is part world traveler cultural anthropologist, armchair psychologist, and the founder and former CEO of Joie de Vivre Hospitality, with the simple and yet profound mission to create joy. Amen to that, brother. (laughs) San Francisco's most innovative CEO turned a seedy no-tell motel into the second largest boutique hotel brand in the world. And he's done a lot of other things that I'm going to describe during the rest of the show, but I want to um, introduce these uh, bromance boys because, Chip, this is your life. I have Larry Broughton on the phone. Oh, wow. Hey! <laughs> how are you, Chip, how are you, buddy? <laughs> Larry was there in the early days. 
Well, listen, you know, so, so Chip, I did the show earlier with Lisa, and she just mentioned the CD Tenderloin. I'm a, I should tell people, I was actually at that hotel before Chip even came in. I was part of that CD culture. So, um, well, right? I don't know if you're part of the CD culture. If it was a challenge, it change you. <laughs> yeah, well, Larry helped me to understand what kind of motel I bought when I when I when he was doing the night shift, and he saw all, all the gory stuff that happened. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Is that crazy? What a crazy connection. And I was uh, telling Larry before the show started that Chip and I met at the recent International Positive Psychology Association World Congress where he spoke. I also spoke. And Larry, I know because I'm one of his mentees. I would call myself one of your mentees. I've I've coached with Larry. And um, that's how we know one another. So small world. And now it you is. officially have witnessed two degrees of separation on wow. Harvesting Happiness right. Talk Radio. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you for yeah, making this connection again. So uh, are you yes. on your way up here, Larry, or are you, uh, where are you right now? I'm, at, I'm north of you right now. I'm sitting along the road up to 29, heading up to Napa. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sweet. Well, yeah. enjoy it yeah. up there. All right. Well, I'll just drop off and let you guys do. Have a great show, Chip. Great connecting yes. with you again. Lisa, we'll talk later. Have a great time. Thanks, great. Larry. Have a great trip. Thanks All for right. joining us. Thank you. All right. See you. Bye. All right. All right. So on that uh, flying high happy note, because it really just delights me to when those kinds of things happen, and they do happen a lot, but this, is a, this was a special one. So, Chip, I hope you don't mind that I did that because um, it's just uh, fun when life brings us these serendipitous moments. Yes, I love it. Well, he, you know, the truth is Larry was very instrumental in the early days when I, when I first bought a motel. I had an occupancy rate that was higher than 100% <laughs> because it was, pay, people were paying by the hour. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've been very fortunate along the way to have lots of great people um, supporting me and, and uh, the company. And I think that is a, a valid talking point about how it takes a village, and albeit a happy one, to help um, any single person or any business create success. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I to me, um, you know, one of the happiest moments in my life in the last couple of years is when in early uh, January and February 2012, the Harvard Business Review, the most conservative business uh, news magazine out there on their cover had a happy face and a big bold headline uh, that said the value of happiness and the whole issue was devoted to the idea that happiness in companies and it, the truth is that we've been brainwashed for many many years to think that success creates happiness and uh, what what's now true empirically there's lots of uh, evidence is that um, happiness in an organization uh, or in the organizational context actually creates a more successful organization. And um, so it's nice to see something that I, I believed 26 years ago when I started my company is, is true and, and has been proven now. Indeed, happiness begets happiness, and it is a commodity, you know, and it's very precious, especially in business culture where we tend to think, oh, we shouldn't be having fun, we shouldn't be uh, laughing and have a humorous time, and happiness should be, you know, second, third, fourth, or tenth on the priority list, when in fact a happy corporate culture uh, means a successful one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, if you look at the companies that have long-term sustainable success, 
Um, they're the ones that create a, a habitat of happiness uh, where people feel enriched by being there and they feel like being creative and uh, innovative and, t and taking risks. I mean, the truth is we live in an era where innovation is essential and innovation only happens if you're willing to take risks. But if you're in a traditional culture where you don't want to make mistakes because if you get make a mistake, you might get fired. You don't, you don't, that's why you don't see companies. Uh, happiness, you know, it's interesting. Happiness requires a certain amount of, uh, to, to, to take risks and make mistakes and fail. Um, so it's funny that happiness and failure could be in the same sentence, but I think it's true. Indeed, and we just spoke about that with Larry, about the, the fun of failure, experiencing the fun of failure. And that is a concept that is foreign to many people because we think of failure is the boogaboo, you know, that it should be hidden in the closet, it shouldn't be talked about, it shouldn't be celebrated, when in fact it's the opposite. You know, throwing throwing the lights on failure to seeing what could be learned, uh, what could be gained from having failed or experienced fun with failure. And I think we might have lost our guest temporarily, so I'm going to just keep chatting and he will come back. But I want to add that Chip Conley, when he sold his business, he uh, continued to pursue his love of travel and has rekindled his childhood love of festivals and experienced collective effervescence on Burning Man's Desolate Playa. And for those of you who don't know, we'll talk about Burning Man when Chip returns, but he's now a board member at Burning Man. And this helps solidify his vision that the transformative power of cultural travel through festivals inspired a mission to create joy on a global scale with Fest 300, which is his new mission. And Fest 300, which I'm going to let him tell you about, um, believes that being culturally curious creates a more robust and resilient life, which creates a safer and saner world. So he's got, a, he's a man on a mission through the festival life, and that works in reverse. Uh, I would say reversing the aging process for us middle-aged folks. Do we have Chip back on the line? Yes, no, maybe so. I don't know. I'm going to get word from our producer, but, you know, welcome to uh, radio. This is life in the ethers. Sometimes Hi. you're there and sometimes you're not, and there he I'm is. Here. Gosh, oh, wow. I was on a, on a monologue and, and no one was uh, like, you know, knocking on my door saying he's back. So I'm so uh, sorry. <laughs> I am back. No, I, so I'm just, uh, you know, I, I don't know. The Internet uh, gremlins here uh, in San Francisco uh, decided to take a nap. Well, you know, that's life is like that. There was a lot of power surging in the radio waves between us. That's probably why. Yes, exactly. So let's talk about Fest 300 because this is just mm -hmm. a, a delight to me. And wonder and delight is where happiness resides. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, I spent 24 years as the CEO of my own company, the boutique hotel company, Joie de Vivre. And uh, when I retired, so to speak, I started spending more time at festivals. And I'd had a long history of enjoying festivals of all kinds, uh, arts and cultural festivals, um, wild and wacky festivals like Burning Man, uh, as well as even religious pilgrimage 
messages. Uh, and so I started going to them and I said, well, gosh, there's not a website out there that's very well suited to help you find the festival right for you. And so I decided to create Fest 300, which is a, a, a guide that just it just uh, launched as a website a month ago. And it's a guide to the 300 best festivals in the world. How cool is that, ladies and gentlemen? I think that's amazing. That is that is a joy breeding, joy breeding, joy to be able to go onto your website and dial in to that which makes you happy and finding other communers that will go to the same place to do what you love. I think that's just great. And 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 where is the where are the festivals that you have been attending? Oh, well, let's see. I have been to 36 festivals in the last year in 24 countries uh, on, on every continent uh, except Antarctica. Um, but they're, of all, of they're all, all kinds, all kinds. And it's been fun. I've really, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I think one of the things that we need more of today, you know, we get so wrapped up in our digital worlds. Um, what we need more of is uh, a little bit of collective effervescence. This is a, an expression that came out of uh, a sociologist 100 years ago. The idea that when we come together as a people, we take down our own personal boundaries and we can feel the collective joy of the group. And I think in the digital age when we're so tied into our Facebook, book, uh, Facebook groups and our um, iPhones, it's important to have that face-to-face connection. We are going to be going to a break in a minute, and I want to give our listeners the information where they can collectively effervesce, that is the word, right? <laughs> effervesce with you and Fest 300. To learn more about Chip Conley, please visit Chip Conley, that's dot com. And to learn more about his new venture, Fest 300, you can visit Fest300.com. On Twitter, he is at Chip Conley, and Fest, that's F-E-S-T, 300 and Facebook he is conveniently the same fest 300 and when we return from the break I want to talk a little bit about your new book emotional equations which I'm actually holding in my hand um, because you have a very interesting bent on simple truths for creating happiness and success that is based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs and we're going to get into that when we return after the break and uh, one other thing I want to ask you about, Chip, when we come back is um, how to create a legacy of leadership, because mm-hmm. this is something you can think about during the break, and we'll circle back to it. This is, this, is, this is key to what you've done in the past and where the economy and the world is moving in the future. We'll be right back. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with my guests today, Larry Broughton and Chip Connolly, two, two, two brothers from another mother in the hotel <laughs> industry. <laughs> I love that. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. 
part of the Grateful Good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to our final segment of Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. Today, if you're just joining us, now, we are talking about leadership and how it pertains to sustainable branding and the well-being of business. And my guests today, coincidentally, both come from the hospitality industry as well as many other uh, qualities and virtues in their background. But Chip Connolly, who is the founder of Joie de Vivre Hospitality, is now turning his attention and joy to another venture. He is an author. He is a missionary of sorts, and we'll have him elaborate upon that when he comes back on. But he's also the founder of Fest 300, which is all about bringing the top festivals of the world to light where you can research your own interests and dial in and commune with collective effervescence with like-minded individuals. So Chip, your most recent book is Emotional Equation, Simple Truths for Creating Happiness and Success. And I would love for you to just jump right in and talk about what Tony Shea, CEO of Zappo, says, an invaluable operating manual for life. Well, uh, it's actually a very personal story. I was the CEO of my company and I was at a stage where I was actually probably if – if I was seeing a therapist at the time, which I was not, I probably would have been considered clinically depressed. Um, it was about five years ago and everything that could go wrong was going wrong and you get in that into that downward spiral and you just at some point think that your emotions are going to get the best of you every day and so – I had a flatline experience. I actually literally went went dead on a stage after giving a speech at age 47 and that was the wake-up call I needed to basically say, I need to understand my emotions better. And uh, I used Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, a famous book, as sort of a touchstone for understanding how meaning uh, has sort of an inversely proportional nature to despair. When you feel like there's no, no no purpose in life, you tend to have more despair. And when you can find meaning in life, uh, it, it actually helps to create uh, less suffering. So I got to a place where I ultimately started creating these strange little equations um, around different emotions. And I started studying with some of the great psychology um, minds of our times around everything from happiness to anxiety to jealousy and joy. Um, and, uh, and 
And although not next thing I knew, there was a book. <laughs> I had to write. I had to do a lot of research. And I had to do a lot of writing. Uh, but but clearly, I, uh, I I felt really called to the idea of helping people to understand their emotions a little bit better because often our emotions feel like they're somewhat mysterious. Um, and what I started to see is that people, once they could understand the ingredients of what made up an emotion, um, it helped you to have some influence over that emotion. And it's been said, you know, in terms of actions and emotions, and this is very, very interesting, that our, um, that our actions follow our emotions when, in fact, it is the reverse. Mm. Yes. You know, it, it is interesting that it, it, happiness can be a habit. Uh, every emotion can be habitual. Uh, the, the truth is it can be faked. And you know, if it's faked, there's there is the risk that it actually backfires. So I, I, I'm not suggesting that people, you know, that we say you hear people say fake it till you make it. Well, I have some caution about faking it till you make it. It's it's because at some point, if you're faking it long enough, you start feeling like a fake yourself. But but I do think changing the habits of and the habitat, not just the habits, but your habitat, because sometimes happiness is a function of your habitat. There's no doubt in the organizational context. Many people have terrible jobs and they wonder why they hate their work because they're in a, an, a toxic environment. So change your habitat and you may change your happiness. Similarly, you might be in a great workplace, but you have just bad personal habits around how you think about work. You tend to gossip about people. You tend to be very focused on what other people are doing wrong as opposed to f- focusing on your own responsibility. And you tend to focus on the negative rather than the positive in things. Well, guess what? Those are bad habits. Those are habits that might serve you in some small way at times, but generally taken in larger doses, they can be a real big problem for you and your happiness. So to me, happiness is a function of habits and habitat. Habitat. And when we talk about changing the habitat, one of the other things I think we should bring up because it ties nicely into Fest 300 is this concept of when we travel, why, why we feel good when we travel is because we are in that state of curiosity, wonder, and delight. We're not so rooted in our environment that we become complacent. Mm, yeah, no, there's no doubt that uh, it is about harvesting and it is about cultivating. And it, you, when you think of your life as a garden, uh, <laughs> if you don't tend the garden, it could get overgrown and you get a lot of weeds there. So even the best gardeners know that uh, you need to actually give some time and attention uh, to how you're tending your garden. And you know what more important garden do, do you have in your life than your emotions and your happiness? Indeed. I am looking at a page in your book and I'm looking at part two, dealing with difficult times. And there's a wonderful quote in here by Alain de Botin, who wrote, I believe it was The Architecture of Happiness. Is that correct? Uh, Yes. And the quote is, we should not feel embarrassed by our difficulties, only by our failure to grow anything beautiful from them. Beautiful from them. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. We're going to have difficulties. I think the idea, you know, there's another uh, equation in the book, disappointment equals expectations minus reality. And the truth is, if you have expectations that you're not going to have troubles, if you have, if you have an expectation that everything's just going to smooth, be smooth sailing in your life, you are going to constantly be disappointed because yeah. that's just not how life works. So that quote from Alain de Baton is very appropriate in terms of saying, guess what, guys? Um, you're going to have difficult times, but from that, 
you know, you, you know what fertilizer is that goes on soil. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> it comes, <laughs> comes out of the back, back end of a cow. So sometimes fertilizer in your life are the, are the circumstances that are difficult. Um, and from that, something can sprout and, uh, and be deeply rooted. I, you know what? This is so beautifully said. And I want to talk about these equations a little bit more because this really is genius that you've broken down um, calling, for example, equal pleasure divided by pain. I mean, this is it's terrific. Like, you know, it's one of those beautiful mind things. I see this this uh, chalkboard with all your equations, <laughs> you know, on it, and at the bottom line is the big equal with the smiley face. And that's that's uh, sort of uh, obnoxious because we hate the smiley face around here. That is not what this show is about. Yeah. Doing it with symbolism, I mean, that's what you get. Yeah, you know, it's for me, the, the calling one's a great one because I there's been times in life when people have I looked at myself and I thought I was acting like a workaholic and then there's other times when I felt like I was having my calling and generally speaking, when you are looking at people from the outside, you, you can't really tell whether it's a calling or, or a, a or workaholism because it looks very similar. It's, it, it requires usually a lot of mastery and time going into whatever you're, what you're, you're focused on. But generally a calling is something that comes from within. You're so immersed in it and so... Uh, just lovingly obsessed by it, you lose track of time, and it's not because you're trying to necessarily meet some end goal, but it's because you love the flow of what it feels like when you're in the midst of it. Whereas workaholism quite often is a means of trying to um, uh, divorce yourself from something else in your life. Uh, in essence, it's a distraction. You use your work as a distraction, uh, and um, as such, it's uh, it, it, it is a means of a deficiency. It's it's you're you're doing it out of compulsion and out of distraction, which is very different than what it feels like to have a calling. You know, I think this is very well described because the sense of being in flow, and I think all of this can relate to this. And and flow being it's a it's a theory that was developed by um, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi or Mike Csikszentmihalyi, who's the grand, okay. one of the grandfathers of positive psychology. And he talks about this concept of losing um, awareness of space and time. And you mentioned this being so immersed in the activity, it is for the the sake of the activity itself. Mm-hmm. And, yes. And this is a, this is key, and a very I would say a very strong component and tool for accessing that authentic happiness, that sustainable happy place. And we're not talking about it being there 100% of the time, but being able to access it, to know what it is that that is for us individually, what that button is, and and to be able to go to it and access it. Yep, yep, and I think you're doing that right now. <laughs> oh me, yeah! I get on this show, and I get—I have amazing guests and people who come here and share their heart and their passion. It's what lights me up every day, and I say I get to do this work. You know, this mm-hmm. isn't a job. I get to do this, which is fabulous. And we've right. just about run out of time, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. I would love for you to come back again in a few months and share more about Fest Three Hundred as it develops, and how you're doing on this part of your own mission and journey, you know, life after sort of the corporate side of, of your business life, because this is a business as well, your venture, mm-hmm. but it's of the heart. It's a very, very different kind. Yep. yep. That sounds so, great. Oh, I would love it. So here are a few thoughts before we part. And I just thank both of my guests today from the fullness of my heart. And I want to just add that happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought 
sold, or traded, happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guest today, Larry Broughton and Chip Conley, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And once again, the contact information for our guest today, Chip Conley, can be reached at chipconley.com or fest300.com, and that's F-E-S-T, 300.com. And on Twitter, it's at Chip Conley, and that's C-O-N-L-E-Y, and at Fest 300. On Facebook, he is Fest 300. And for Larry Broughton, to learn more about him and his work, you can go to LarryBroughton.net, and that's B-R-O-U-G-H-T-O-N.net. And Broughton Hotels, on Twitter, he is at Larry Broughton. And on Facebook, once again, it's at Larry Broughton. So we hope you've enjoyed the show today and this really exciting and very different view of leadership, sustainable branding, and the well-being of businesses. Because the well-being of businesses is what is our future as Americans and in the world at large. Um, Together, we make a difference. Together, we get to dictate where we go from here, where we go from the last years of financial destruction and challenge. To learn more about Chip Conley's new book, Emotional Equations, uh, Simple Truths for Creating Happiness and Success, I believe this book is available everywhere. Is it not, Chip? Yes, it uh, should be available in virtually every bookstore, but certainly online. All right. So you can look for that there. And um, I also want to mention that Chip Conley is also the author of P-E-A-K. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to another hour. And be back next week. Nobody got no time anyway. Somehow. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts.